0: Well, that sucks. That, that just—no other way to put it. That game sucked. That was a tough watch. It was annoying. It was frustrating. Um, you know, we were there the entire time, <laughs> the entire time, and it just wasn't meant to be. I don't know if the rim on whatever side we were on wasn't regulation if it was smaller but here on believe in the wolf pack i welcome you back in it's a somber episode that one was i mean my god i I, there's nothing much more i can say other than we just beat ourselves i don't think north carolina won that game i think we just handed them that game i mean my god look at the shooting numbers 26 percent from the field nine percent from three even 76 percent from the free throw line isn't terrible but could be better nine percent from three is unbelievable nothing was falling i mean nothing was going in the only two threes were were from jane taylor and mo dr both were pretty much wide open off good feeds and they're just in rhythm not off the dribble just catch and shoot put it right up I mean, even then, on the inside, if if it was contested, it wasn't close to going in. Now, credit to North Carolina, they played pretty good defense the entire night. A lot of the shots were highly contested to where, you know, we could never get into a real groove, a real rhythm, you know, see a few fall in and build on that because they were closing out everything. They were playing physical defense, but not too physical defense. Pretty much the entire time. They they played very well defensively. But even offensively, North Carolina didn't play that well. You kind of accomplished what, you know, I was at least hoping they would do. You kept Baycott off the boards, and you held RJ Davis to sixteen points, and he was six of nineteen and four for ten from three. So four for ten from three is great. That's I mean it's forty percent. You'll take that every night. But still, six of nineteen overall, that's terrible. He didn't even get to the free throw line for him, that's not a good game at all. He still had 16 points, and then Harrison Ingram had 19 total rebounds. That one hurts. He had 19. So, early on, Baycott got into foul trouble. He picked up uh, two fouls relatively quickly, uh, and then had three fouls at the start of the second half, I believe. And Ingram just completely filled in for him but even then harrison ingram didn't score that well he only had nine points but 19 rebounds <laughs> I mean, couldn't keep him off the glass to save our lives my god i mean their bench was you know nothing incredible trimble had six four for withers uh, ryan only had eight like yeah no, it wasn't an offensive game held them to 67 points i think that's their second lowest total in a win all year that might be their second lowest total in general for the year yeah it is it's 68 against lehigh that's the third lowest 67 in a way and they 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 lost that game or no i'm reading this completely wrong my bad this is their second lowest total of the year their third lowest is what 78 70 70 against pitt my bad completely Right there, still annoyed i'm still harping on that nine percent from three get back to that in a second but yeah so they scored 70 in a win over Pitt, 65 that's their lowest of the year against clemson clemson only scored 55 and then 67 tonight where we only had 54 so their defense is incredible but at the same time we just couldn't hit a shot just couldn't hit a shot at all guys were second guessing themselves i mean they were forcing up bad stuff DJ Horn, I mean, he might have had three quality looks tonight. A few deep threes that were questionable, I thought. But he was two for 16. Two for four from the free throw line. He only had six points. Oh, for three from beyond. I mean, he's not alone in just being awful tonight. But my God, the leading scorer for the team. And he's going two of 16. At six points, Casey Marcel was the leading scorer. He was three for 12, oh, for six from beyond. He's got to see something fall through. He's got to see one three. I don't care if it's a last-second heave that goes in. It'll count as a three. I don't care if he shoots it underhand. He's got to see something go in from three. He has been ice cold the last few games he's got to get something to fall through he did hit a thousand points for his career tonight so that was pretty cool good for him that was a cool he hit it on a I think it was his second trip to the free throw line but so that was cool good for him but man I think if you ask him he, he'll say the same thing yeah you know it was cool but really wanted to beat these guys <laughs> for six from beyond is just terrible. Only one made three from the starters, and it was from Jaden Taylor. Jaden Taylor, not many good looks. I, I, we just no one on the team had many great looks. The one guy who I thought had, you know, the most, uh, the best looks tonight was DJ Burns, and he completely smoked a few layups. There was, I think, both of them. Both of them were in the second half. Just little lefty, you're right there, open. Like for him, they were wide open. Tried to flip it up. Nothing. Rims out, rolls around the rim, pops out. He only had two rebounds tonight. He was getting killed on the glass. I mean, he was, like I said, Ingram just dominated. He had 19 of his team's 50 rebounds. DJ Horn had 10 rebounds for us, so that's not bad. Offensive rebounds are pretty much the same. We had one more than them, but I mean, the shooting wasn't there all night i mean the first three what were we 0 for 12 0 for 11 the first three came early-ish in the uh uh in the second half (laughs) went into halftime down too and then you end up losing by 13 they pulled away in the end they kind of just played tough defense forced us to take bad looks and we were we really you know there were times it was early in the shot clock where you know in the moment you kind of thinking to yourself you look at that shot and you go over that Patrick Ewing clip in your head of like why would you take that shot have you ever shot that shot (laughs) um and you kind of look at it, and you're thinking that was terrible but then at the same time it's like all right well none of the shots have been that great tonight Why not? You know, (laughs) it's, oh my God. It was such a disheartening game coming into this, especially after the last few nights of college basketball with every top team losing last night, you had Purdue losing to Nebraska, got crushed by Nebraska, 88 to 72, Iowa State beat Houston, 57 to 53. Just tonight, Tennessee lost to Mississippi State uh virginia tech beat clemson that's not a huge upset but still an upset unranked texas tech beating number 21 clemson and then i just had i I know yeah kansas lost to ucf 65 to 60 ucf was is 10 and 4 on the year now and 1 and 1 in the big 12 this is their first win in the big 12 and they beat kansas beat number three kansas so if you're a top team this isn't the worst week for you to lose, for you to drop a game. But if you are North Carolina, if you are uh, uh UConn, who is actually playing right now, they have, as I'm recording this, they have a 12-point lead against Xavier with only three minutes left. They should be okay. If you're UConn, if you're Kentucky, this is the perfect week for you to win. So I think, I mean, obviously there's always an emphasis to win your conference games, but maybe for North Carolina, this was... You know, this game had much more of an emphasis put on it because of two top teams losing the night before. And even more so now with the top teams losing tonight. North Carolina is going to jump to top five easily. Kentucky's going to be top five. UConn will pr- maybe be the new number one. I don't know how it's going to be with literally all the top three teams losing. I don't know how much movement there is going to be. But Yukon's going to be top three. They'll jump up at least the spot. With Tennessee losing, North Carolina is going to jump them. It's, it's going to be a ton of movement in the next week. And even then, uh, this Saturday, I think it is, North Carolina plays Syracuse at home again. So maybe that's a game that they'll drop and get upset. But I don't know. I mean, especially after tonight where they didn't shoot particularly well. They shot 38% from the from the field and 31% from three. They were seven to 22 from three. That's not great. That's not fantastic. That's, you know, below average. They shot 60% from the free throw line. That's not great. That's not great at all. And they still win by 13 because they just suffocated us. They just kind of waited and waited and waited and waited. And then it was right around that seven, six minute mark where I'm thinking to myself, all right, if we go on a run now, that would be so, that would suck because we were already down like eight and it was just not looking great. But it was such a moment where we would go on a run and then cut it to like a one two point lead again and then lose. Um, but now they just suffocated and waited and waited and waited and waited, kind of like a siege, just waited, surrounded, waited, and then just killed. <laughs> like it was just the last few minutes were tough to watch it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a 13 point loss. It feels like a 30 point loss because honestly, I just couldn't make a thing. Only 18 made field goals, 18, 9% from three. I mean, my God, two for 21. Come on. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, this is one where you don't even want to you don't want to talk about it. You want to watch film on it. I think everybody understands. Like, hey, you know, we just have to make shots. Maybe do some what the Phoenix Suns did and just record some post game practices and shoot arounds after you have a terrible game. But my God. On to the next one, <laughs> which is this Saturday at Louisville. And Louisville is not great. six and nine so far this year one and three in conference um losing this game like I said winning this game it would have gave you you know a really big bump to crack the top 25 and even be considered uh for the tournament as of right now but I mean you just gotta you gotta go on a winning streak right now because so far there's not an impressive win maybe the boston college win just because that's a conference game maybe virginia they've been playing well but there really isn't an uber impressive win on the schedule so far you have virginia tech coming up in three games maybe that can be one but then you don't really have a next the next big test until clemson and they just lost again so who knows what they really are after losing back-to-back games in the ACC? And then late in the year, you have North Carolina and Duke. So you may have to just really – you can't waver here. you got to win as many games as you can. And then when it comes to that North Carolina and Duke back-to-back games, one at North Carolina and then the Duke game home. So at least you have the Duke game at home. Uh, If you can pull one of those out, get a decent seed in conference play, maybe you're sitting a little bit better. But right now, I mean, especially after – This is the second game in, what, a week that uh, the shooting has just been awful. That Notre Dame game was pitiful. Pulled that one out. Barely. At least you won that one, but tonight was even worse. So, I don't know. You got to find some kind of consistency, some kind of hot hand, some kind of, I don't know, maybe some different actions. Because even then, some of the shots were were just terrible. Some of the threes are just being thrown up. I mean, nothing was really working. Again, North Carolina's defense was unbelievable. And it's been very good for most of the year. But I don't know. This one sucked. I was real, you know, talking myself into it, especially because the line kept changing. If you were if I was looking at it all day, at one point, I think it was uh, North Carolina minus 4.5. Then it went to 3.5. And, and then like an hour or two before game time, it was 2.5. So I'm thinking like, whoa, <laughs> what do they know? That I don't, which is a lot. Um, But speaking of not knowing a lot about sports, college football. We'll talk about that. Coming up next, going to step away for a moment. But like I said, the next game for the men's Wolfpack will be this Saturday against Louisville. That's on the CW. Cool. And that will be at noon. As for yeah, the, the women's team still plays tomorrow night home game against virginia that is at seven o'clock we'll be tuning in for that but i'm gonna step away for a moment when we come back college football all right welcome back in believe in the wolfpack gonna cover some college football stuff since the national championship just happened and the greatest coach of all time nick saban retired just today Uh, we'll get to, you know, who I think will replace him in a minute or two, but want to go over the Michigan Washington game first, uh, for three in the college football playoff. My bad hand up on me. Don't know ball. My bad. Whatever. Next year I'll have many more chances. (laughs) So at least I got that to try to make up for it, but I was way off Michigan thwomped Washington. I mean, it was close for the most part. It was a seven-point game most of the game. But Michigan's defense, Michigan's tackling was the MVP there. I think Corum got the MVP of the game. Whatever. Michigan's tackling was the MVP. I don't think they had a missed tackle all game. I really don't. That was incredible. Their defense did not miss a tackle. There were some open guys here and there that Penix missed. And, you know, they really shut down Dylan Johnson for the most part in the run game. Because the tackling was perfect on every level. Defensive line, linebackers, secondary especially. Secondary is where the most missed tackles happen. That is a fact. Not in this game. Not in this game at all. That secondary, Sandstrel, incredible at tackling. Just wrapping up, making smart plays, getting guys down in open field. The one-on-one open field tackles were so impressive. Unbelievably impressive. The amount of times the receivers, at Adunze especially, had some space a little bit and then got brought down only for maybe a yard after the catch. Oh my God, that was unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe it. And it kind of it didn't hit me until the third or fourth quarter. I'm thinking, like, you know, after I see a tackle, I'm like, wow, they, they, I, I can't think of a guy missing a tackle saying, like, oh, you got to make that or else it wouldn't have been the first time or else it would have been a you know, touchdown, whatever. No, nah, just 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 a master class of tackling that, you know, honestly goes underappreciated at times where there's so many missed tackles in every level nowadays. In the NFL, sometimes it just gets ridiculous. Uh, college, too. We can all remember uh, some of the <laughs> some of the Pac-12 games a few years ago, especially now since the Pac-12 is over. Very upsetting. Um, about there was a zero defense, zero tackling. USC this year, their defense was just horrific. It was awful. Um, but yeah, credit to Michigan. I mean, their running game was unbelievable. Blake Corum, one hundred and thirty-four rushing yards. Donovan Edwards at one point had two carries, eighty something yards, and two touchdowns. He finished with six carries, one hundred and four yards, and two touchdowns. This is how Michigan was going to win the game with great defense. And just the ground game. That's exactly, that's how I, if they were going to win the game, this is how I thought they'd win the game. But honestly, I did not think. The thing that surprised me, Michigan winning, it doesn't surprise me. I was picking Washington off the fact of their offense is incredible. It's the best offense that Michigan will see all year. And it would be so funny if a Pac-12 team won it in the last year of the Pac-12. But Penix looked Terrible. He did not look good at all. He was missing throws. He was completely missing guys who were wide open streaking down the field, and he's either checking it down or throwing it short of the first down marker, and then the guy's getting tackled immediately, and it's third, fourth down. He had Adunze open in the second quarter wide open. Oh, absolutely. It was a walk-in touchdown for Adunze, and just completely missed him had to, he was he was running kind of with his left shoulder turned in he was on the far side of the field left shoulder turned in had to completely flip to the other side to try to make the catch and just just Actually, I just saw it right there. Yeah, I got the I got the box score pulled up, and they showed a little highlight. And it's just Adunze trying his best to completely turn and still have to kind of reach up above his head, cross body to make a catch. Would have been an unbelievable grab and just couldn't pull it in because the throw was just so bad. So, yeah, especially after that Sugar Bowl against Texas, I really thought Penix was going to show out and just continue with the, you know, the hot hand. Even on the touchdown that he had, the guy who ran the post – was wide open. (laughs) He was wide open. Was it McMillan? Yeah, it was McMillan. He was wide open over the middle for a few seconds. And I'm sitting there thinking, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. He's looking to his right, I think, and just completely missed him. Almost completely missed him. He was wide open for a while. If he waited any longer, he would have been out of bounds. (laughs) So, I don't know. Credit to Michigan. Credit to Jim Harbaugh. As much uh, of, I've been so annoyed with Harbaugh this entire year just because of the whole cheating thing. The whole, is he going to go to the NFL? Even in years prior, is he going to go to the NFL? Is he not? You know, it was cool to see him win. He is, he is a football guy. He is just the most football of any, he's just football. Jim Harbaugh is football. Especially, I mean, his brother John. Like, the Harbaugh's just love football. If there's one thing about the Harbaugh's, they love football. Um, So it was cool to see him kind of get that, and he was so happy. He had the shades on, the Cartier glasses on. That was pretty cool. Um, He's 1,000% going to the NFL now. If he lost, I would have said there's a 100% chance. There is a 1,000% chance he's going to the NFL. What more does he have to do? He, he won a national championship with Michigan where they were undefeated. Is there, you know, possibly a very tiny asterisk because of the cheating? Maybe. Maybe. But <laughs> not to him <laughs> and not to Michigan, not to the state of Michigan, who isn't a Michigan State fan. Um, so good for him, good for Harbaugh. It was cool to see in the end. Uh, and honestly, this is one of those games where I kind of look at it and like I said, I'm not surprised Michigan won. And if anything, I'm kind of kicking myself. For not picking Michigan because what am I doing? <laughs> it's it's a Big Ten team against a Pac-12 team. It's they got the defense. It's Michigan. They it, 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 it got the running game. Whatever. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't care. Um, the one thing that I will not stand for though is anybody saying that this is the greatest team of all time. No 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 no. Stop that. Stop that. No, it's not beaten twenty nineteen LSU. It's not even beaten uh, 2020 Bama put it against any of the early 2000 Miami teams. No, Matt Liner and Reggie Bush, USC teams. No, uh, Vince Young's Texas. team. No, uh, the Tim Tebow, Florida, uh, not Florida state, Tim Tebow, Florida teams. No, actually, even with some of the James Winston, Florida state teams, those teams were incredible. So I'm pumping the brakes on the greatest team of all time. I don't know where. I mean, there's so many that can be considered for it. But the top two, even just in recent memory, we may have the two greatest college football teams of all time just from the last few years. 2019 LSU is still number one for me. And honestly, 2020 Bama, not far off. Undefeated. Unbelievable amount of talent. Nearly the same amount of talent that the LSU team had. And if anything, they were missing Jalen Waddle because he blew out his leg. In like the first game of the year on a kick return, I think. So they only had Devontae Smith, who is the who put up the greatest season of any wide receiver in college football ever. Only, but yeah, they destroyed Ohio State in the national championship too. So I mean, I, I got to put that team over. I got to put LSU. I got to put the Miami teams, uh, even the USC teams. Tim Tebow's Florida team. Like I, I got to put. I mean, even the some of the the Peyton Manning Tennessee teams were unbelievable. But whatever. I'm not getting into the whole if they're top ten or not because they just they're not. They're not. It's simple. Uh but speaking of some of the greatest teams of all time and the head coach who has coached some of these incredible teams, Nick Saban, who retired earlier today. I actually saw a tweet from uh the one this one account. It was uh just it going through all the message boards on reddit of college football teams and someone said how saban called a staff only meeting earlier today and people were speculating if it was going to be his retirement and i'm thinking like yeah i don't know maybe it's just a an official end of the year thing maybe who knows what it could be no it was his retirement (laughs) it was announced not too long after uh pete carroll and the seahawks parted ways actually no There is no chance, there is zero chance Pete Carroll and the Seahawks parted ways. Did you, if you haven't seen Pete Carroll's press conference from, so I'm recording this today, uh, January 10th. If you haven't seen his press conference from January 10th after he was announced as, you know, stepping down or parting ways or taking a different role with the team, whatever, that is a man who got fired. That is a man who wanted to keep coaching. That is a man who wanted to come back for another year with geno smith dk metcalf uh, Tariq woolen all those guys he wanted to come back uh, at least another year to coach there is no chance that he agreed there is zero chance he was absolutely fired forced to say that you know parted ways whatever i imagine that the seahawks just didn't want to Make a fool of themselves and say, hey, we fired the greatest coach in our team's history who won us a Super Bowl because he's getting old and there's a million great coaches available right now. So we're just going to say we parted ways and that he's going to, you know, take on a role <laughs> as, as a front office member. I'm like, No, <laughs> no. No, who did that in the oh Brad Stevens did that with the Celtics. That's actually kind of working out for him. He's been pretty good. But Brad Stevens did that. And he's not even that old. He's just been he was just coaching uh Butler. Yeah, Butler and the Celtics for years and years. He just didn't feel like coaching. Uh, he may get back into it. Who knows? But there's no chance P. Carroll is gonna take any kind of front office role. He's gonna get some fake, you know, supervisor assistant title. That he's not gonna do anything for. He's still gonna get paid whatever he's supposed to be getting paid as a coach. And then next year he's gonna be back in the coaching carousel. They're just gonna keep him out a year because they don't want anybody to poach him. There's zero chance that he was gonna be that he was gonna resign or agree to not coach the Seahawks anymore. That was ridiculous to me. But back to Nick Saban retiring. Uh he's also about 71, 72 years old. So not the most surprising thing. It was kinda just crazy to see Nick Saban retiring. Will he come back? Honestly, I don't think so. I think he's fine with what he's accomplished. I think he's fine with kind of how he went out. And I do uh, respect that he just, you know, he didn't have this whole retirement year, like, oh, going away, you know, my last year, shower me with gifts and praise and yada, yada, yada. And Nick Saban wasn't going to do that. Nick Saban, also a football guy. He was never going to do that. He was just going to, all right, yeah, this is my last year. Let me keep it to myself. Let me enjoy it with my team. Let me keep it internal. Let me keep it personal. Let me not throw it out there in the media. Let me just, you know. Let me have my year, let me coach, no outside distractions, and then we'll go from there. So I respect it. It was a great season, honestly. Everyone kept saying it's not his best team, which it wasn't. It wasn't close to his best team. But the fact that he still made the college football playoff and was in a game in the Rose Bowl that he very easily, not easily, but he definitely could have won that game. Um, So, you know, credit to him. He's the greatest coach of all time. Seven total national championships. Six with Alabama. Him just being at Alabama for these last 20-some, maybe not 20 years, 15 years, whatever, for these last 15-ish years is going to pretty much make Alabama at least now a top 10 team for the next 5, 10 years just because it's going to be, oh, it's Alabama. Remember when you know these guys were here? Remember when Julio Jones was there? Uh, Devontae Smith, Calvin Ridley, Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, remembering all those guys were there. Like those names are gonna be those names are remembered forever in college football. That's all because of Nick Saban. So whoever they get next, which is to my next point, uh, it's looking like it's gonna be Dan Lanning. Early on, usually I go, whenever whoever the first name is, and you know, they're interested in this guy, they're you know, they want to talk to this guy. Usually that's the the first option and for alabama whoever alabama's first option is that's who it's gonna be i mean come on the only coach the only coach in the country that would maybe say no to alabama is kirby smart and even then i don't know if he would i he would probably say yes They just put more money into football is it, what it is But right now it's looking like Dan Lanning, James Franklin, Mike Norvell, uh, Dabo Swinney, uh, Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin is the second most likely option. I think it's Dan Lanning just because, you know, you make that Oregon to Alabama jump. He made Oregon incredible this year and has been a great coach. Um, I think he's their first option and he'll probably end up, you know, being the – head coach at Alabama. He has a $20 million buyout. I'm looking at the buyouts right now for the coaches. Dabo Swinney, don't think that would go over well at all. I think there's already – I saw a video of a you know a little chant going on outside of somewhere in Alabama saying don't hire Dabo or something, we don't want Dabo, whatever. I don't think that would go well at all. I agree with the students. Uh, James Franklin, don't think he's a good coach. Honestly, really hasn't accomplished much with Penn State. He'll stay with Penn State next year. They'll probably be top 12. They'll probably make the college football playoff. It'll be a big deal. Cause it'll say our first college football playoff appearance. And then they'll lose to Georgia or Oklahoma by a million, maybe not Oklahoma, but Georgia or Alabama by a million. So whatever Mike Norvell could be interesting. I, I don't think so, but Dan Lanning and, uh, and Lane Kiffin, you know, make the most sense. And again, Neither of those guys. Just because Lane Kiffin's at Ole Miss, he's not turning down the Alabama job. Dan Lanning's not turning down the Alabama job. It's a much better opportunity than Oregon. And um, this Alabama fan that I'm looking at, actually, I actually stopped on Twitter because of what I saw. He says, you write a blank check for any one of those guys, and the dynasty rolls on. He says, Dan Lanning, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. Okay, those three perfectly reasonable (laughs) i get it dan landing lane kiffin yeah i said that steve sarkeesian yeah you know texas uh head coach coming to the sec next year that makes sense maybe he just goes alabama better program whatever the fourth guy he said (laughs) nfl head coach currently in the playoffs possibly the coach of the year with the texans Damico ryan's (laughs) I'm sorry. Listen, I get it. He went to Alabama. He was incredible at Alabama. There is not a chance in the world. D'Amico Ryan's leaves the Texans, who he got to the, who got to the playoffs in his first year there with a rookie quarterback and CJ Stroud, and un, maybe already one of the best offensive players in the league with Will Anderson Jr. There is not a chance. That- I saw that. I stopped. My eyes nearly fell out of my head. I said, what? I, 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 oh my God. I couldn't believe it. It, Like, what are you thinking? (laughs) I get it. You think Alabama is the mountaintop of, of football, of any level of football. But I get, I I love college football. College football is incredible. You ask any college coach. They would much rather be in the NFL. Look at Saban. Saban tried to be in the NFL, and it didn't work out. Harbaugh's about to go back to the NFL. I, I, I mean, come on. Harbaugh just won a championship with Michigan, undefeated. He could He's never going to pay for a beer, a meal, a car wash, a whatever, a house in Michigan for the rest of his life, and he's still going to go to the NFL. You think D'Amico Rines is going to go back after he just got a head coaching job and is now in the playoffs (laughs) all right (laughs) you say so oh man that was absurd but that's gonna wrap it up for tonight by the time you know we talk again I'm hoping that the NC State men's and women's team don't drop another game. And I'm assuming that Dan Lanning will be the Alabama head coach. So I thank you for joining me on this episode of Believe in the Wolfpack. And we'll see you next time.